And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Welcome to a special edition of the Five Minute Freak. I'm Chris Honeywell, and I'm here with special guest Chris Tyler, the hair metal hero. Hey, everybody. And we are going to be looking at John Dies at the End. Dun dun dun! dun. The new movie by Bob Coscarelli, one of my favorite directors. I know you are also a, a, a fan of at least Phantasm. I know that. Oh, yeah. No, I, 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 I love like Coscarelli's uh, oeuvre pretty pretty much pretty much across the board, so right yeah. down to Beastmaster. I, I I really enjoy Beastmaster. I do too. I have to admit I I do. Even with dialogue like, "My name is Dar, and I am searching <laughs> for the Temple of R." Doesn't matter, man. It's got Tanya Roberts naked and John Amos whooping ass, so you can't hate that movie. Now, geez, it's. Uh... I, I'm getting old because time's going by fast, but it's been 10 years since his last movie, which was Bubba Hotep. Oh, yeah, Bubba Hotep. The Shining Jewel. And if anybody hasn't seen Bubba Hotep, I, I personally, I don't know. I think Phantasm is kind of like his early masterpiece because that was, it's just a work of genius. But I think Bubba Hotep was like, the culmination of all his years of experience in movies and uh, and cinema. <laughs> it yeah, was an and awesome, it w- awesome movie. Which is saying something, because it's a very understated film. Yes, well, that's why I liked it, because it, it had the all the Coscarelli tropes in it, but it was played down, and, and it was played down like as a joke, because it was in an old folks' home with a mummy, so everybody moved slow. Yep. <laughs> Even the nurses and stuff were usually kind of heavy ladies and didn't didn't move very fast. So it was like a geriatric horror movie. It was great. Yeah. And you know, Bruce Campbell as as uh Elvis, Elvis. is is a sight to behold. Now you were yeah. you were you were daydreaming about the the sequel Bubba Nosferatu having uh either Ron Perlman or Kurt Russell as Elvis, which was that either one of them. talk of that or something, or is that just? Uh, it's always been on on the back burner. It's just, I, I mean, Bubba Hotep wasn't really a, a big smash hit, so it's, you know, what, what can you do? What, I mean, was if, uh, if, I, if I had ten million, million, like he was, he wouldn't reprise the role or anything. Is that why? I think the idea was, uh, it, it was going to be a prequel, so he was going to be younger. And Elvis was going to be younger, and uh, the idea was they would do a different Bubba, blank movie with a different actor as Elvis each time, huh. which is hey, that's fine with me. That's I, fine with me too. It sounds wonderful, actually. Get get Kurt Russell in Elvis mode, hell yeah. Are you kidding me? 
we not, did not cover we did not cover that on the John Carpenter retrospective. <laughs> no, no. Uh, well, perhaps we'll be, be able to do it. I've never seen that actually. I, I'm ashamed yeah, to say. I've only I've only seen snippets, and I, and I, and I'm an Elvis fan, so I kind of owe it to myself to track it down. Well, not to the to the to the movie at hand. Ten years later, we got John dies at the end. Now I found out this movie premiered a year ago. Yeah. I think Sundance. Uh, that in Toronto. Yeah, one of the fil- at a film at film fest. It's, it's been doing the film fest thing for for a while, and uh, I I heard about. It's funny as as I've done some research on the whole John dies in the end, end thing. Um, the first thing I saw about it was, um, I don't know. I liked some page on Facebook that's like horror fans or something, and they posted, you know, here's the preview to Don Coscarelli's new movie, John Dies at the End. And I'm immediately, you know, that got my attention. And then I saw the preview, which looked crazy and gory. Yeah. And um, so um, it was fun. And then I, and then I, um. You know, and the movie was coming out, and it's doing that new plan, the sort of red state plan, where it comes out on pay-per-view and streaming first. Yeah. And then ends up, at, I think it comes out in theaters. I think it's this month. Yeah, like the 25th of this month or something like that. And this is a total, I this is a total theater-worthy movie. This this with a packed matinee full of people. God bless them. They're gonna have a hard time just. You know, selling it, selling it. <laughs> but here's the thing: is when I mentioned on on uh, Facebook, because I, I found out you'd seen it, and uh, so that sort of lit a fire under my ass because I'd been planning to see it too. And I went on, and I just the night before gone to see Django Unchained, which was fantastic, just pure awesome film orgasm from beginning to end nice almost three hours of just pure pure awesomeness so i posted something on facebook saying you know i saw Django unchained now i'm gonna you know next on the docket is uh john dies at the end and i'm thinking my brain's gonna explode because i've heard (laughs) such good thing i'm gonna get two really great movies in a row and one of my friends who's a librarian piped up and said uh, that this was a book. Yeah. Which is on such high demand at our library that they can't keep copies of it. They just keep ordering more and more copies of it and it keeps getting signed out and stolen and it's just like the most popular book in the library. So maybe, maybe it'll be a sort of Twilight sort of thing. <laughs> and I found out also, I, I, I love the whole history of this it was a um it was a book but before it was a book it was an online web serial that started yeah. like 2001 yeah it's one of the writers for uh, crack.com crack.com and uh and they they were just doing it sort of like we do a podcast as a free sort of thing that you could follow and then they stopped doing it they sort of pulled it and then they ended up making it into a book so maybe it'll get a sort of Twilight. <laughs> it definitely doesn't have the hype of Twilight and, or, no, no, it or anything like that. It's and by the subject matter of this of the movie, which seems to be fairly close to what it seems like from what I've read about the the, the book. Um, 
yeah, it's not. Well, it's definitely. I, I first thought it was going to be like teen fiction. No. Definitely oh, not. <laughs> no. Definitely rated movie. Um, yeah. It's just. It's aimed at guys like you and me. It's aimed at 40 year old, slightly perv with rude sense of humor, people with a taste for, for horror, maybe <laughs> leaning more towards the Lovecraftian. Style yeah, it's just. And the mindfuck style of storytelling. That, that's what it is. It's just bizarre from beginning to end. It is. It's like one part, like, um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, one part yeah. Craft, um, Shaun of the Dead style. Uh, very good, very good characters. Yeah. Whether, like, the main two characters are, 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 are good. They're very appealing while being also not the greatest guys in the world, you know, yeah. which is awesome. I, I like that, having kind of funky protagonists and then a lot of the other characters are just caricatures but they're fun (laughs) i love the tony robbins crossed with um (laughs) with uh, dr strange (laughs) with the two beautiful women uh, you know at at his side of uh, in all times Oh man, and the best part is it's Clancy Brown. It's the Kurgan from Highlander. <laughs> oh really? Oh god. <laughs> and he's got about three lines in the entire movie, but he every time he's on screen, he's like, "Yep, he's fucking awesome." I guess he figures more strongly in the book, and it seems like the book the book has had more storylines in it. And the the thing I loved about this movie is it seemed to set itself up for either a TV series or just a series of movies. Yeah, and uh, very easily, very easily, you could just you could turn this into a sort of, in the style of like Hercules, <laughs> William S. Burroughs. <laughs> yeah, it's uh oh, I mean the the very end of the movie is basically saying, P- please watch this movie so that we can do this next thing that we want to do. Yes, yes. And, and and I love how they end it. I was just like, where are they going? They do one of the one of the sort of endings over the credits, yeah. And it seems like, where is this going? How can they introduce another storyline in in this five minute stretch that they have here? And what they do with that is hilarious. Also, the the beginning, the first sequence of the beginning, the whole uh, yeah, it's with the axe. It has like, nothing to do with anything else. It's just here's this little bit at the beginning. It's a it's but it's great. <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, I after you know he he basically one of the characters basically asks a question, and you go, oh, yeah, that's weird. It's it's that's it's a stoner weird question, you know. It's, yeah, it's, man. It's, I, if I did drugs, this would probably be my favorite movie ever. <laughs> yes, I this definitely is destined to um, cult movie fame, especially if something like Donnie Darko became a cult movie. This. I, I think the yeah. whoops Donnie Darko up and down because this is yeah, I, on top of being just dark and twisted. Yeah, and I, I really like Donnie Darko. I, I mean, I had read about that somewhere online. Jesus, that's like 10 years ago now, too. Yeah, or more. I, just, I grabbed the DVD for 10 bucks, you know, when it came out, and I was like, ooh, that's that was really interesting. But this is... Donnie Darko doesn't have any sort of sense of fun to it. John Dies at the End is just... It you almost never stops being fun. Yeah, it's just zaniness from beginning to end. 
and can I say what also gives it about 10,000 million fun points is, and, and you see it right at the beginning, Paul Giamatti. Yeah. And as you see oh, in space, you're just like, oh, oh, dear God, thank you. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah, I mean, it's got it's got Paul Giamatti. It's got Clancy Brown. It's got Doug Jones, the guy who played uh, Abe Sapien in the Hellboy movies. Just, you know, just a couple of faces that you see in there and. I mean, at one point it becomes a cartoon. Uh, it's just, it's so crazy. It, everything about it is just, oh, Jesus Christ. Well, I forgot about the cartoon. That's right. There's, there's a priest in it played by played by the tall man himself. Was that Angus Scrim? Oh, you couldn't pick up on it? No. Oh, my God. I'm going to have to watch that again. Oh, because I oh, thought man. Angus Scrim would be dead by now for sure. No, it's totally him. Oh, I, I, Oh man! I mean, it, it, it just to hear his voice say, "You and your friend are fucked." <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's it's just, just bizarreness from beginning to end. Well, I thought you know the tall sort of guy who was supposed to be his helper who showed up in the and like stuck the worm thing in his chest at the beginning. Yeah, I thought for sure that was John Waters without a mustache. No, that's Doug Jones. He's a, uh, he's like uh, kind of a mime, and uh, he does a lot of uh, full body suit acting for movies. Mm. Well, he could he, give him a greasy little mustache, and he's John. He Potter. could be John Waters. Yeah, he's very gaunt. Speaking of full body suits, um, there's a meat monster in this movie. Yes, I won't spoil anything else. But it's, it's all practical. It's a rubber and, suit meat monster, yes, and I could yes. see fish on it, and never it was awesome. It's amazing. <laughs> you, <laughs> and that's only in the first eight minutes of the movie. But that's just well. That's what I love about this movie is every ten seconds it throw it, at first in the first five minutes of it, and it's funny because this is this reminds me a lot of the cracked magazine website is sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes they're trying a little too hard to be yeah. to be weird, to be quirky, you know, and they'll come up with little phrases that are like intentionally like whimsically quirky. And yeah. that was sort of going on at the beginning with his with his voiceover. And I was just like, all right, you know, if you've ever seen this and this happen, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And, and it's like, all right. But then as it goes on, you start seeing things like he was describing just getting through random things and in the context of everything they make sense so then all of a sudden you start taking seriously what he said in the beginning it's very just very well written it, it fools you into thinking that it's going to be cheesier than it really is but then again, yeah. at the same time it's enjoying a certain amount of cheesiness you know it's oh yeah if this is completely budget limitations and yeah. Which sort of reminds me of what so somebody who would be writing a web webisode, you know, a web episodic story would be like too. Would probably be less stuffy than a book and more casual in the storytelling. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, when when they throw the meat monster at you, that's at the beginning where you're just like, what the hell is going on here? Three quarters of the way to the movie, you know, almost anything can happen, and you're going to bat an eye, and does, yeah. Oh yeah, it's just it, it, I, mean, I really don't know what else to say about it. It's it's like it's not really one of those things you can describe. Well, it's got a lot of the Coscarelli, some of the Coscarelli favorites in it, which are 
weird puppety things that fly around and attack people. Yeah. You know, another practical effect that could have been. That could, well, it was probably. It looked like practical combined with a little CG. Yeah. And, uh, but, we won't ruin what it is. Yes. I know exactly what he's referring to. <laughs> And that and that guy, I thought they were. He was sort of like his version of of the tall man in this. Yeah. I think he was called the large man in the credits or something, or like the big man. Yeah. And he was. He was a. That was what. I, that's what I would picture Dum Dum Dugan to sort of look like. Great <laughs> Dum Dum Dugan. And, oh man. And the whole thing, it's funny when I first when I first was like like flipping through it. I was like, oh, some of the special effects look a little cheesy in this. I was like l- looking at the end with the Cthulhu type stuff going on. Yeah. And a, a, a bit of it looked CG. You there, know, yeah. Like, but I mean, very, I, you know, I guess it's unavoidable. Channel, a little sci fi channel. But when I watched it from beginning to end, none of that mattered because it was the storytelling and the, the, the acting was, was good, you know? Yeah. It's not going to win any Oscars. But it's fun. The two leads were, were good. Paul Giamatti's always good. Yeah. Um, the guy who played uh, the cop. Oh yeah. Was you're just, you know, he's he, uh, he's great. Yeah, yeah, he's great. He's great just playing. The cop, you know. Yeah. He's got that the the Danny Glover. <laughs> exactly. I was about to say I'm the Danny Glover. I've seen everything. I'm too old for this shit. Yes. Yes. And. Uh, um. Yeah, I mean, all I have to say is, uh, if 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 you if you don't want to see it in the movie theater, which it might be tough to see it in the movie theater because it might not be one of those. Uh, I, I'm having a feeling it's not going to be a widely released uh, Cineplex movie, but you can. No, it's going to the ad houses definitely. It's it, but you know, I mean, it's going to be easy to catch on Netflix and. You know, it's uh, yeah, video on demand. Uh, it this it's gonna be pretty much readily available probably within another month. Yeah, like so. Red State, yeah. yeah. Which I couldn't get through the first ten minutes of. Really, I love that movie. I'm sitting there watching it, and I was just like, "This is a Kevin Smith movie." Eh, stick to what you know, dude. Uh, Sorry. Yeah, you see, uh, actually, if you get past that, it shifts gears about four times in the movie. So. That first 10 minutes is an indicative of, like, the first 20 minutes is an indicative of the next 20 minutes, which is not indicative of the next 20 minutes. Yeah, I, I am going to give it another go at some point, but it, eh, I thought it, just... it was his masterpiece. I thought it was his finest. I thought it put him into a, by the time I was done with it, I'm like, Kevin Smith has just moved into the Quentin Tarantino strata Ooh. of filmmaking, which... Back to that, I, I'm gonna give a little. I don't want to. I'm. I, I don't want to talk too much about it because you haven't seen it yet, and I know you're planning to see it. But Django Unchained. Oh my God. Can't yeah, we'll cement s- that movie enough. Well, see, Tarantino to me is every time he does something, you just go, Wow! I can't wait to see what he does next. This movie is is. As I was watching it, I realized this movie is is, and maybe it's it's a lot in. It, it's a lot of different things. Yeah. Um. It, this movie is almost like the mirror image of Inglorious Bastards, with um, <laughs> you know um, uh, what's his name, Christoph Weitz, Weiss, yeah, Waltz, Waltz, whatever, yeah, um, playing the exact opposite role <laughs> of what yeah. in Inglorious Bastards, 
but equally cagey and you know like the 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 the, the character in Inglorious Bastards could have been like the evil reincarnation of this character huh. from this movie and uh it was almost like film school in a in an almost in almost three hours there, there were there were whole parts of it where basically almost they were explaining the the basics of character acting um where to find storylines <laughs> for your stories <laughs> really yeah like plundering you know plundering mythology and legend and stuff like that and uh, because the the two char- because the two characters when they become bounty hunters they have to act a lot because they have to pretend to be other people to find the people that they're looking for, you know, so they, you know, they're almost like bill collectors or, or repo <laughs> men or something, you know. Or, Interesting. Uh, except they shoot people. <laughs> and there is a lot of bloodshed in this movie, including some real Leo DiCaprio blood. Really? Yeah. Yeah, when you see Leo, you'll know this. You'll know the scene because Leo DiCaprio <laughs> bleeds more than once in this movie. Oh, that's good. I've always hated that little fuck. Oh, he's a he's he's the bad he was guy. On growing this. Pains. He's a bad guy in this, and he's a full-grown fuck in this one. He's he. Yeah, he's, I shouldn't say that. He he's actually he used to be the little fucker who was in Growing Pains. He's actually a pretty good actor. I've never seen Growing Pains and never seen. I mean, yeah, he is a really good actor. But he's still kind of annoying in that Bieber sort of sense, you know. There's something about him that, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, he was a teen heartthrob for, you know, a decade and a half. He was, but he was still doing quality. Mo- he was doing stuff like uh, Gilbert Grape. Grill, yeah. And the Basketball Diaries, and and I think yeah. maybe it was Titanic that soured him on a lot of people for a lot of people because. Actually, you know what? Of all, you know, I kind of like him in that. I think it's that was a role. That. He's a, that, that's because he, he really does. I, I he was great in um, the Unforgiven. Was it the Unforgiven? Uh, Is that what, what, not the Unforgiven? Yeah. What's what's the one the um. With um. Had Marky Mark in it. Oh, it um, Scorsese movie. Yeah. Uh, oh fuck! I can't remember. I thought that movie sucked. Uh, Beyond something. <laughs> yeah, I, I know what it is. I see. I, I that movie did nothing for me. Yeah, I like that movie a lot. Yeah, didn't do it for me. But I live. I already lived all that Boston mobster shit. <laughs> like whatever. Tell the real story of Whitey Bulger. It would have been more interesting. But there's but. The, he's he's done a lot of he's done a lot of good stuff. And now that he's older, he can play more. Creepy. Uh, Samuel Jet. Wait, do you see Samuel L. Jackson? In I've I've heard it's oh a performance god. to save. Oh my god! <laughs> it's like the worst Uncle Tom ain't that has oh ever. Oh my god! Yeah, laughing laughing at the masses' jokes and and but it's shaded. You know, there's a turn in it. It's a Tarantino movie, so. But the the thing is, when he first walks out, he's Uncle Ben. <laughs> And not yeah. like Uncle Ben's rice, Uncle Ben. It's amazing. Yeah, it's, I'm looking forward to it because I mean he can. People say he paid, you know, phones in for fun. I don't think you've ever, I've ever seen a bad Sam Jackson performance. One, even no, in a, 
even in a shitty movie. What one note though? I don't think they use. I don't think the word motherfucker had come into play <laughs> back then. Nah. Period. No. <laughs> it's it. Well, it's Tarantino. It can be anachronistic. There's some anachronistic stuff in there, but not as much as you'd think. Mostly in the soundtrack. You know. That's fine. That there's doesn't a, bother a, me. There's a Jim Croce song that shows up. Wow. All right, don't tell me which one it is, because no, I'm it's, sure I'm waiting to be blown away. It's it's perf it's it's one of those things that you can't is it, finger is it on. Like in, is it like in Inglorious Bastards when David Bowie gets dropped at the end? It is kinda. It is kinda. It was, was I was sitting there going out fire with gasoline. This is the second like, time I've had so this the last couple months. Uh, yeah, see I that stuff doesn't bother me. No, it's 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 transcendent in this. It's just like one. It'll like bring a lump to your throat for for reasons that you can't put your finger on. It's just like really, it's wow, it's perfect. It's perfect. There's whole. It's a little. The movie's a little long, but who cares? It's just like I have no problem with long movies. <laughs> I want more. I want more of the dialogue. I love the way he sets up scenes. The the, the game of find the you know, the, all these actors went by me without without me knowing like Angus Scrim um, Tom Wopat went by me I didn't figure out Tom Wopat till I saw his name in the credits it was <laughs> what? what Don Johnson got by me Don Johnson's in it Don Johnson's in it oh man oh I need to fucking see this <laughs> you get to see Don Johnson in a in a clan hood <laughs> oh wow <laughs> It's that kind of movie. The 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 the, the, the most comedic scene in the movie involves clan members and getting hooded up and ready to ride. I could see how you could make that funny. Has what's that? What's that fat guy? Um. <laughs> oh. Has he been in other Tarantino movies, or oh, is it something no, I should know? Like a teen movie, Jonah Hill. Really? Jonah Hill is in that scene. I'm not. Wow. I missed. Because I'm, I was so into the scenario. Tarantino's in it, of course, and he's put on like now that he's older and put on weight, he's looking more yeah. more like the demon child of Jay Leno and Oliver Stone. Oh God! Yeah, you know he's got like a big beer gut in this. It's just bizarre, and an Australian That's... accent. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it's it's great. So I always I always kind of like seeing him in a movie. He just it's usually a nice quirky little yes little bit like when he gets blown away in uh, Desperado. Well, <laughs> oh, well, that, I guess that means he gets blown away in this too. Yeah, but it and and it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if I was a movie maker, I'd put myself in every movie and get killed in it. But, but, uh, this, I, I actually almost jumped out of my seat with my friend. And this is funny because the person who went to this movie with me, my friend Mike, was was one of my roommates back in college. And, you know, a friend from high school, you know, we've known each other for a long time. And the way that scene goes down is almost exactly like the scene that we always talked about, like, we should make a movie, and then the main character, this is how they die at the end. And <laughs> and the way that we had it all timed out, and the way it happened, he as soon as it happened, he looks over at me, and I'm like, that bastard! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that bastard! 
Oh! <laughs> That's awesome. So, and, then there, and then there was a, and then there was a moment both of he and I jumped up and went, Tom Savini. <laughs> oh man, I just, oh, this just sounds awesome. You're in for a treat. Yeah, man, I can't wait. There's, 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 and um, Jamie Fox does a good Clint Eastwood style. <laughs> like he's not Clint Eastwood, but he knows when not to talk. Nice and. I, I seriously think this is the best movie about slavery since and I know everybody thinks I'm going to say Roots next but I, I'm going to say Blazing Saddles <laughs> oh, for man. similar reasons because both of them were scandalous for, for the use of the, the n-word and uh I hate that I even will say N word that I won't. It's it like, um, and and sometimes used to comedic effect in here, but I think both of those movies, and you know, I mean, you know, uh, Blazing Saddles was completely played for laughs. Oh yeah. But it was probably it was really that racist back then you know yeah that openly racist and they could do it in the context of barely in the context of a, a comedy movie you know if it wasn't mel brooks they might not have gotten away with it but yeah well, richard pryor helped write that and, one and, too so and having richard pryor involved yes gave him some cred but hey look you know i mean i guess this one having samuel jackson and jamie fox in it gave tarantino some cred but he's already got spike lee on his ass about it oh you know what i'm gonna go on record right now fuck spike lee amen i don't think i don't think i've ever seen one of your movies nor do i want to just because you're a pretentious dick i've seen his movies and he's hit and miss he's he's a very good filmmaker i wouldn't say he's the brilliant filmmaker that he was put out to be like do the right thing is like a troll it was like uh, it was it was basically you know at the end of the movie they don't do the right thing, and but it was made to be contentious and to start controversy and it succeeded and it like started his career and it had a lot of energy to it and it had great character actors and you know was just sort of a fun down in the hood comedy until it got you know preachy, but whenever he tries to get preachy with a movie, it's it's really terrible. But when he just does movies about families and regular stuff, it's usually pretty good. But, um, man, you know, what What the hell is he talking about? Like, you know, that Tarantino shouldn't make a movie about slavery. He, he made a movie about a white serial killer. Yeah. He shouldn't be allowed to do that. A black man shouldn't be able to make movies about a white serial killer. They don't understand white serial killer experience in America, man. <laughs> they don't understand. Well, I, I thought, it's like to have a dog talking at you all the time. Oh, I know. Just like that little claymation boy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know what? I'm sorry. I gotta make a Davy and Goliath joke. Yeah, I mean, it was all cute when he was a little kid, you know. Goliath was all cute, but when he was an adult and Goliath was still talking to him and had died, you know, 20 years Kill before him, that, it wasn't as funny anymore, you know. Yeah. Once the bodies started piling up. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, Spike Lee, Spike Lee, at the very least, needs to go watch the movie before he opens his yap about it and and see what you know if it was such a racist movie do you really think like samuel jackson and jamie fox would be like me me well the other thing is not like it's he's it's not like it's you know quentin tarantino's roots he's telling his fictional story the first time quentin tarantino's been able to use the n-word in historical context yeah, you know. So you have no problem with white people, white mobsters calling each other the n-word, but you got a problem with it when it's yeah. I mean, it was textually accurate. Jackie Brown too, you know. But that's a way underrated movie. Yeah, that's a great, great movie. I think I'll, I, I, I don't think he's done a bad, made a bad movie. No, man, I don't yeah. think he has either. Every time I watch his stuff, I go, ooh. Yeah, it's like a special ooh. treat when it's in the theater. You know, there's a there's a special treat waiting for you. It's it's a rare occurrence these days. Yeah. I, I, I'd probably still go on record and say Kill Bill is probably my favorite so far. Just because that's every genre of movie rolled into one. Yeah, well, where do, do you see this one? This one's... I, well, this one I, isn't every genre rolled into one. But, boy, it's got the revenge. <laughs> the, the pure, you know... Um, catharsis you know every 10 or 15 minutes of some oh nice moments full of moments that's what I'm looking for moments and buckets of blood yeah John dies at the end had some moments and some buckets of blood too did what else can we say about John oh yeah decapitations uh, Um, oh amputees amputees and cute amputees Mm -hmm. uh, dog acting Yes! Oh my god, a dog driving a truck. Yep. Come on. (laughs) And then when the dog, the truck, I was like, please, please dog talk. Please dog talk. Dog talked. (laughs) Bonus points just start piling up. Technically, the way it happens in the movie, it's not the kind of talking dog I would necessarily want. But when it comes right down to it, the dog talked. So... Yeah, because <laughs> the whole time the, Coscarelli knows what I like. They found fun. a dog, and why is this dog still in the movie? <laughs> oh, that's why the dog's still in the movie. Well, that's the thing with this this movie is all right. You see the dog, and you're like, does the dog mean anything? Is the dog going to do anything? You never know because there's a million things going on at once that could mean something. And it makes me eager to sort of read the book because I imagine there's probably a lot more stuff in the book, too. I guess there's a sequel out, too, called This Book is Full of Spiders. Yeah. Yeah, there is. I uh, I don't know. I don't see, like, after seeing the movie, I don't know if I want to read the book because it just, my first impression of that is, you know, is now the movie. Right. So I don't know. Well, but uh, I'd like to see a sequel. Yeah, I don't know that. It's on whether we get to see a sequel or not. I am hoping that this would be more of the beginning of either something new. Well, I guess um, oh, what is that? Arrested Development, that show that I've never seen that everybody loves. That's yeah, I've never seen it either. But uh, they're coming out with a new season, and I guess it's going to be on Netflix. Yeah, that was a uh... dump the whole season out there. I guess you could. It's some weird. They've written it in a way that you can watch all the episodes in any order. It doesn't matter what order you watch them, and you can piece together the whole huh. 
whole season. But it's it's on Netflix. It's Netflix. You know, it's yeah. not, it's not syndicated. It's not CBS. It's not some cable network. It's just on Netflix. Yeah, it's and it's not Netflix's first show. They uh, they had one before. It was a, a mobster show, and now they get another independently produced series coming out. It's uh, it's it's interesting it, it, to say the least. Right, you know, that, development will be what makes it what like really gets people talking about it because people the the people who like this show are chomping at the bit for more i mean it's got david cross in it it's got um what's his name young frankenstein in it right is it he in it um uh peter boyle <laughs> he's dead oh he's dead well no that peter boyle's been but, dead for a long time uh, ne- uh, never mind never mind but um, uh, you know, maybe that that could be the fate for uh, John dies at the end, or maybe it could be, you know, it could. It, I could see it as a sci-fi. Um, uh, so I don't want Sci-Fi Channel to get their hands anywhere near this. Well, if they put the if they if they treat it like Battlestar Galactica, you know, well. you know what I mean? <laughs> budget budget wise, yeah, you know. You know, how about just uh, give Coscarelli some time off? Maybe in another two, three, four years, he does another one. That, that would be pre- bring it on. That would be preferable. But I could see him. I could see this being like the springboard, and I could see and and totally he did it before with Beastmaster, for being a a a, a you know a, a TV show produced. I don't know. Was Beastmaster produced by him, or was that produced by Sam Raimi? I don't think Sam Raimi had, had the, oh, the TV. There was a TV show. There was a Beastmaster TV show. Oh yeah. So my knowledge begins and ends with the movie. And it ran around the same time that Hercules and Xena and all that. And those were all Sam Raimi. Yeah, that was Sam Raimi and Rob Tappert. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I have no idea. And probably whoever had the rights to it. I have no friggin' idea. So yeah, so I, I have this feeling that it was either Sam Raimi or it was Coscarelli just sort of doing his own cheaper version of Sam Raimi. And the, and the the Beastmaster TV show ran for a long time and was very watchable. I've never seen it. I don't even remember ever seeing an ad. I'm, I'm sure I must have. I just, just obviously didn't make an impact. I was pissed when they canceled those Tech War movies based off the Shatner stuff. I liked those. <laughs> I haven't read any of those. I'm about to uh, crack open my first two Shatner books for our Star Trek show. I finally found the first one that I have to read before it's the the what like um is it Star Trek Memories? No, 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 no. I oh. no, no, no. These are fictional. Oh, okay. The, yeah, the return right. is one of them with Kirk coming back to uh to slap around Picard and there's another one before it that sort of sets it up that I have to read and they look like they're quick reads. They look like they're whip through them hardcovers. Hmm. So, I'm going to get my first taste of Shatner's quote-unquote writing. Well, whoever he's got doing his editing or his ghostwriting with them yeah. on those, uh... I have a, I have a feeling it was more like here's an out here's a treatment. <laughs> Call me when you're done. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, the uh, the first couple of the first couple of Tech War books are pretty interesting. I actually I could see Shatner being involved in it in a sort of pestery way, like calling the guy up. I just had an idea. What if Kirk gets superpowers? 
Just make sure there's some sabotage in there. Always <laughs> oh, sabotage. You say sabotage, I say sabotage. So, and you've you've recently, because the, the only movie of note right now, other movie of note that I'm curious about that I might go see is The Hobbit. You've seen The Hobbit, though. I have seen The Hobbit. Uh, you saw it at the 48 frames. I did see the 48 frame 3D. 3D is amazing. Um, the 48 frames does take a little getting used to. What, what I would say is, uh, for all you tech heads out there, it's like uh, it's like all those TVs nowadays that have those true motion displays and shit like that, where it like syncs up the video with the refresh rate or whatever. And it's you know when you start watching one of those TVs, it looks a little weird. But after you know a day or two of watching the TV, your eye adjusts to it, adjusts to it, and it looks just incredibly natural. Um, that's what it was like. Uh, the at the beginning, it's a little little disconcerting, but my God, there's no motion blur. Everything is crystal clear. I thought it made the uh, the special effects look really good, um, but outside of that, uh, I mean, I'm totally coming from an unbiased, uh, totally biased place. The Hobbit's my favorite book. Um, it is a long movie, but uh, it's it's you know that world. I just want to live in that world as much as possible on screen, so it didn't bother me. Um, but uh, I mean, if you're a fan of what Peter Jackson did with Lord of the Rings, or you're just a fan of you know middle earth in general it's uh it's definitely well worth your time but i mean look at how much money it's made i'm sure everybody's already seen it anyway except but, me uh, yeah. <laughs> i want to uh... i want to see it i i actually i i'd rather see it flat but i'm gonna when when i see it i'm gonna see it in the 3d with the 48 frames because i just have to see the new technology i have to check it out <laughs> i have heard though from some people like variably i've heard the word soap opera brought up i've heard the words um Uh, i see i don't understand that theatrical it takes on a theatrical like seeing something on a a stage presentation because the people almost feel too much like they're there (laughs) you know what i mean they're almost too too real it almost takes on a video yeah that doesn't that doesn't it yeah i mean i guess that's could be a concern um but i mean Let's be honest here. I mean, celluloid is outside a couple guys. It's dead. I mean, oh, yeah. well, most theaters now. most theaters are are have digital projectors now. Yeah, I'm saying in general though. I mean, even in terms of recording on film, it's not even done anymore. You know, unless it's like Spielberg and a couple other holdovers. There's still some people doing it, and to, so, so, in in lower budget stuff, there's still it's still almost. Um, more affordable. Really, to have to get thing. film and then get it developed. Yes, because wow. just to get the right the look that they want. Super sixteen. That's what that's what um, Walking Dead's doing. A lot of independent features are will shoot on Super sixteen, and uh, Walking Dead looks beautiful. You know, it. There's still and it's not long before they'll they'll figure out how to do this, but there, you still film grain still looks different. Yeah, and this is—I mean, everything in this is crystal clear. I mean, you see every blade of grass, right, right, every every feather ruffling. Um, 
Yeah, I I thought it was an interesting experience. I had no problem with it. Now my uh, my friend Mark was was very nerd upset. He got nerd butt hurt over just one thing, but I guess it really bothered him. What was, was uh, it? Well, you had the swords that glow in yeah. the presence of orcs and goblins. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they would glow when an orc and goblin was near. But I guess there's a big battle scene. And during the battle scenes, the, the swords aren't glowing anymore when they're sort of up to their necks in goblins or orcs. Uh, he was very upset about it. He's like, it's such yeah. a effect. He could have done it so easily. Yeah, but there's also a scene where... I'll spoil that a little bit. It's, you know, Bilbo's sword glows, his little dagger, and it's uh, there is an there is a goblin near him. It's after he falls down in the hole, and it's right before he meets Gollum, and Gollum goes over and fucking brains the uh, the goblin, and you see the the sword just dim and go out after, you know after he caves his skull in. So I think that makes up for it. And uh, Gollum has a little bit of the crunch crunch after that. <sighs> Oh yeah, they put a nice uh-huh. little. Is it crunchy? Oh, man. <laughs> that's the but that's that scene where it's Bilbo and Gollum is like. Oof. Well, that's what I hear. I hear Gollum Music. is like way, they've they've improved Gollum. You know, oh, just yeah. tweaked him a little bit, but it's made him even more realistic. And I guess, <clears throat> well, I have to say, Go- Gollum's role in The Hobbit is way more dramatic and fun than it is in um, Lord of the Rings even though he plays such a large part in Lord of the Rings it's sort of like they bring he was such a quote unquote beloved character from The Hobbit you know (laughs) that they brought him and when he came back in the Lord of the Rings it's like it's Gollum yes I love Gollum you know and and the the way he talked and everything even in print was was a huge thing so so when Gollum comes back in this I hear it's just awesome but that's the thing is that's it for Gollum though in in The Hobbit right now (laughs) I yeah, imagine. I he doesn't need to ever be seen Till again. Lord of the Rings, right? So they sort of yeah. blew their Gollum lot in the beginning and the first movie. That's fine. It's well worth it. I mean, it. That's probably the one thing I'm most thankful about the, you know, what Peter Jackson did with him is that he doesn't look like a frog. He's not black. He's not some, you know, deformed mutant-looking thing. He looks like an emaciated person. Mm-hmm. I always hated any time I'd see a drawing, or the you know the Rankin Bass version where it's like, Web. well even the Ralph Bakshi version, it's like, what the? This is not Gollum. Nothing in the description says he's a hobbit. Is, he's, he's a, a hobbit mal- and he malnourished like, pale hobbit. He doesn't look like a hobbit anymore, but that's not because he's genetically mutated. Although that's you know, I mean, the ring could be ra- could be made out of pure pl- plutonium. We don't know, but yes. <laughs> but um. Yeah, he hasn't mu- really mutated. He's just gotten. He's just gone junkie style. He's just, yeah. he's basically faces of crack, or faces yeah. of meth. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, nothing worse than meth mouth. Yeah, and you get a nice close up of Gollum's meth mouth in The Hobbit. <laughs> when that he when Bilbo asks him the riddle about the thirty white horses on a red hill, and it's supposed to be your teeth. Right, and he's like. We have seven! <laughs> and you just see fucking seven nasty teeth sticking out. It's like, oh, God. Oh, man. All right, so awesome. We got three movies in. 
party hey, recommendations. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, for The Hobbit, I mean, it's, you know, you know you know going into it if it's something you want to see or not. Uh, John dies at the end, though. If you're a fan of Coscarelli or zany sci-fi or... If you're a fan of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, H.P. Lovecraft, like, yeah. you know, say uh, if you're a fan of, um... Oh, what the hell is that movie? Um, Reanimator... Yeah, it's a little. Yeah, it's you know, just it's it's not like it's it's his own. It's Don Coscarelli all the way through. It's yeah. I mean, like fan. It, it it's almost a return to Phantasm with alternate dimensions that are all lit weird and stuff. Yep. And uh, and it's his own thing. But yeah, it's got all these flavors in it. It's it's got a little bit of the Joss Joss Whedon dialogue-y sort of thing. With smart talking, and smart talking teens, lots man. Of, lots of lots of lots of dude talk. Yeah, lots it's very much talk. a it's very much a dude movie. <laughs> lots of references, lots of penis talk and penis stuff. And, oh yeah, uh, a CG penis. CG penis. That's a first, really. I that 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 scene. And it's not a little wimpy CG penis. It's a it's a big throbbing CG. It's a penis. big throbbing CG rubbery penis. Yep. That shows up at an inopportune time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that yeah. door does not open. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That, and it, a, it... a million great lines. Paul Giamatti. Flying yeah. things, crawling things, exploding things. Angus Scrim. A character called the Shitload. Shitload, yep. <laughs> Meat monster. Um, it's just, yeah. Um, naked boobs with disturbing masks. Oh. And a Stanley Kubrick reference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about that. Just the eyes wide shut dimension. <laughs> yeah, it was, it's uh, the movie's a trip. It's just, it's, it's an hour 45 minutes of fun it's I've already watched it twice yeah I'm 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 going back just to check out Angus Scrim because I can't believe I missed that I would have been and I think uh, there's one when they finally hop to that other dimension and they show that guy who's responsible for the building of it I think that's a picture of Reggie Bannister <sighs> the, I think that's I think that's how he worked him in there because he's in pretty much everything too. He's the, right. I mean, he's the administrator in Bubba Hotep, and I, w- I don't, I don't think he was in the uh, Masters of Horror episode. Coscarelli did, but he's too old to have been in the band. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But, I, what, but it's fun because I always remember the scene with it was Reggie Bannister. They, they did their little song in Phantasm yep. where it was like you could tell they were like, "Hey, let's let's put that song we've been writing in the movie." Yep. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get a good recorder. We got that song down real good. <laughs> and another thing uh, I liked about it is the metal band they had in it wasn't up when when they showed them playing. It wasn't that gen- it was a kind of a generic metal band, but it sounded like a live generic metal band like your friend's metal band. It was it was it was rather cool. Instead of sounding yeah. like a canned studio musician thing. No, it sounded like five teenagers. Drunk at a party. Don't, 
don't practice enough and then then go out and play. And with the, with the drummer who looked like the nerdy kid who was their only person they could find who could play drums. Yeah. He's completely <laughs> bored through the whole show. That's the funny thing. My 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 buddy's got a uh, a slam metal band and uh you know, they they don't really take it seriously, but their drummer is like his favorite the drummer's favorite band is fucking Dave Matthews band. Oh but this kid, this kid goes out on stage, it's, it's all fucking blast beats and double bass, and he's killing the drums. He wants to be moving band, out. His favorite band is Dave, Dave Matthews band. He wants to be smoking some mellow buds and grooving out to a 20-minute long jam, man, and instead it's just like yep, it's two driving minutes, cookie monster. Two minutes of, yep, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, they get some great song titles. Slit and Slide, Toddler Cobbler, <laughs> Prostatots. Oh man. <laughs> it's it sounds like good it sounds like good old fashioned punk rock titles. It's just total cookie monster vocals and it's just real noodly guitars and uh then they put they they have a soundboard so they drop sounds in. <laughs> like and they'll start off. They'll do like in the, the beginning, the acoustic beginning of uh, like, uh, what's the fucking Bon Jovi song? Living on a prayer. Uh-huh. They'll sing the beginning of that, and then they'll just start going into that like death metal song. You see, like, I, they just—they don't take anything seriously. It took me period. a while to figure out how to listen to death metal because I've sat, I've sat in, I've, I've been to a lot of death metal concerts, like with my, with with one of my bands opening up for playing with or at a you know festival or something and when i finally figured it out i was like either you have to take it dead 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 seriously your life seriously or not at all not yeah, see, they one don't. bit and they don't take it seriously at all i'm just saying as a listener with them that with them it would be an easy call whether what what how you would have to enjoy their band you know it's just like sit back and and relax and like there's like a cookie monster band that literally had a guy that dressed up as Cookie Monster. That's awesome. And say, and say all their songs were about cookies. He had a cookie cannon that fired chocolate chip cookies into the audience, like a like those T-shirt guns. Nice. And it was yeah, it was awesome. And he of course they did a cover version of C is for Cookie. That's good enough for me. <laughs> I gotta find some of those. They're on. They're they're on. They're on the YouTube's. That's where I saw him back in the days. I heard he was having legal problems though. Uh oh. Yeah. Somehow Cookie Monster was in the. Ba- I can't remember. It was. It. It. They had a f- good title too. <laughs> good name. Nice. But. Anyway, yeah. Bubba. Bubba Hotep. John dies at the end. Django Unchained and The Hobbit. Yeah, all, all three. You got you got hair metal seal approval on the Hob- Hobbit and me on Django Unchained, and both of us. You got the double thumbs up on John Dies at the End, so you can be positive about that. And it's quality. And if if you have any complaints about it, remember there's two of us and there's one of you. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think overall though other people outnumber us. That's not good. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Well, we'll be able to absorb the pros against the cons. Doesn't matter. We'll stomp them, man. Squish, squish, squish. What they don't, what they got in numbers, we make up for in moxie. 
Moxie. You got Moxie, kids. <laughs> yeah. All right. I think that's... You can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com, please be aware that if you use the Amazon.com link located on our website, www.2TrueFreaks.Libson.com, Two True Freaks will receive a referral bonus for any items you purchase. There is absolutely no additional cost to you whatsoever for doing this. All proceeds go directly toward keeping new episodes of all your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated podcasts rolling, and it really helps us out. So please, use our Amazon.com link anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. (laughs) Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Libsyn is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com, where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. We're off? Good. Well, that ought to hold the little bastards.